Hey everyone, this is JVL. I wanted to share with you a clip from the secret podcast that I do every week with my buddy Sarah Longwell. I, I thought this week's was actually kind of interesting and profound. We start out by talking about the problem with building alternative institutions and how that helped with the corruption of conservatism, and then move on to talking about the the question of what do you do with someone like Ron DeSantis, and how do you reform the party, either from within or from without? And is supporting Ron DeSantis uh, a thing which helps the party get over Trumpism, or or does it make it worse? Anyway, I think you'll enjoy it. It's normally only for members of Bulwark Plus. Uh, if you like it and you want more of the Secret Podcast, I hope you'll go ahead and join. This is the problem with alternative institutions, I guess. Uh, no, there's a way to do alternative institutions well. The conservative movement was doing alternative institutions well and seriously for a long time. I would say in the in the 2000, uh, in the 2000, in the like 90s, 2000s, um, when you know you're talking about NRO and the Weekly Standard uh, and AR, AEI and Heritage, those are those were serious times and serious institutions, and they've all none of them are now. Yeah. They are, I guess, but they, I mean, there was an entire universe. I would say those were the good, the examples of good alternative institutions. But the problem yeah. is that that was the tip of the iceberg of these alternative institutions. And below the surface, you had the Media Research Center and talk radio yeah. and uh, the Moral Majority and the Family Research Council and all, you know, like, and, and those alternative institutions were kind of rotten. So you know what? That's a great point. And and actually part of my part of me and like my place in the it was was sort of coming through pretty liberal institutions both for high school and for college, finding the conservatives who were the like NRO uh you know Alan Bloom Intellectual University of Chicago conservatives and thinking that's what conservatism was. Yeah. And I remember when I got to the Intercollegiate Studies Institute, which was my first job, uh, and out of school and kind of being like, oh, wait, like that's not all it is. Yeah. Um, but I did, I ensconced myself early on in the conservative think tank, like highly intellectual world and didn't, it wasn't until, I mean, I guess I, I did like three years, but like the gay marriage fight was like raging, right? And so like Christine O'Donnell... I am not a witch is like, we're working together. Um, and I started to hear things and I saw, I saw a lot in my three years in Delaware there that made me understand. And that, that's when I left, right? And I started working for a much more sort of, uh, kind of doing business, business yeah. policy issues where I felt sort of more comfortable, uh, and even that, you know, and then over time, uh, that that sort of that what I saw there became the dominant gene in yeah. the whole thing. Yeah, but there is there is like this whole world of libertarian conservative stuff that goes on in Washington that is about limited government, free markets, personal responsibility, American leadership in the world. Uh, and it and it really the reason that I love the focus group so much is that first I understood that there was this whole sort of under and I really understood that during the gay marriage fights, which. You know, I did as my extracurriculars. I was with Log Cabin, Young Conservatives for Freedom and Marion. So I was sort of confronting directly that side of the party. Um, 
And it was just a, but I was optimistic that whole time because I was like, well, this is a fight we're going to win. The public's with us. There's a way to do this. You can win margins. And it was a fight that we won, um, which again, filled me just with optimism about the where the party uh, was headed. But it wasn't until Trump and then the focus groups that I was like, there is no voter who gives a shit about limited governments, free markets, personal responsibility, and American leadership in the world. They care about like some cartoon versions of those things somewhere sometimes. in there. Sometimes they care about a cartoon version of those things. <laughs> That's right. Um, and and I think that was the, I mean, that was my big revelation in 2017. Yeah, look, I mean, we are all hostage to our own experiences. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if you live in a world where you're surrounded by smart people who went to Harvard and Kenyon and, and Yale, who, uh, nice who, can, throw Kenyon in there. who can talk, uh, you know, at length about Rawls and Hayek. natural law and Hayek and the yeah. Burke and the need for, you know, individual liberty oh. to be based on virtue and the, the, the problem with Leviathan, uh, you know, you're like, okay, so that's what conservatism is. And that's that's a part of conservatism, or used to be a part of conservatism. It's not really anymore. Um, but that And that was my mis- mistake, was that I did not realize that the other stuff was 95% of it. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so this is actually in a weird way, and I segue to talking about Brian Kemp. So it looks like Brian Kemp might run for president. I uh, am pretty happy about this. I, I said this on the show last night. My dream is to live in a world where the presidential contest is Brian Kemp versus Gretchen Whitmer because I I I would have a preference in that, and I think one of them would be a better president than the other. I think one of them would be better for America than the other, but not by more than like 25%. Right. Yeah. Or or may, maybe thirty five. But but whatever. Like you just fine. You know wh- whatever. I you know I would not lose sleep over either one of them being president. That would be fine with me. And uh, and I I could even not vote in that election. I mean I I would vote. But if you if you told me uh, look I can give you an all expenses trade a paid trip to Tahiti and but it's past your time for absentee balloting and so you'll miss this election. I would say let's go to Tahiti. <laughs> which I would not have said for the last few elections. Right. Um, and yet, I do worry that the if the problem is the people and not the elites, the problem is that you have a bunch of, you know, tens of millions of people, and maybe it's only 30 million and not 70 million, but, but you know, 30 million people, who want stuff which is which is very bad and dangerous, which is not normal. Is it okay to have a person who's – this is the question, like, you know, are you never Trump or are you never Republican? Yeah. And I, I think that's a very a, – a very real question, right? And uh, maybe you could convince me that, like, if Mitt Romney was president, then Mitt Romney would 100% not give those people what they want. And I believe that, I think. Uh, and you tell me that Brian Kemp was president. He There's a 95% chance he wouldn't give those people what they want. I, I would believe that too, probably. If Ron DeSantis is president, what is it, a 50% chance he doesn't give those people what they want? 
like now we're in danger territory. And the, the problem is that you're kind of in danger territory no well, matter what, because you have people who want stuff which is really illiberal and dangerous. There's another way to look at DeSantis, which is there's a hundred percent chance that he will give them fifty percent of what. <laughs> <laughs> And so that that to me is like the, the peril of – and I'm using Brian Kemp as a stand-in for just a, a person who is in step with what conservatism is but is probably normie. And if you're a liberal Democrat, you're not going to like that and that's fine. You don't have to like it. Um, but it it just isn't – that is a different – you know, Brian Kemp is not Ron DeSantis. Uh, he is, is much closer to, uh, you know, the – the Ben Sass, Mitt Romney, good Republican version of uh, of conservatism. But but if the problem is the people, this is what I've always thought the problem really is. And I don't know, like, is it dangerous to have this party with any power? Even the good ones? Can I, 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 this is, I think this is an essential question of our time. In fact, we should have just started with this because we should talk about this more. Because I think this is like a deep, there's a deep division in how I feel at any given time about what the right thing to do is when you are faced with something as dangerous as Donald Trump. Is it that you go with the pragmatic route uh, and say, it is it is an unalloyed good to have somebody who is just, even if they have to say he's the best and he was the greatest and whatever, just to get off of him? Or is the moral imperative that you say, no, any, you have to reject that in order to move us to a place that's in any way decent. Let me just read something to you. This is how I think about this all the time. I am sure I've talked about this before, but, uh, okay. One evening, an old Cherokee told his grandson about a battle that goes on inside people. He said, my son, the battle is between two wolves inside all of us. One is evil. It is anger, envy, jealousy, sorrow, regret, greed, arrogance, self-pity, guilt, resentment, inferiority, lies, false pride, superiority, and ego. The other is good. It is joy, peace, love, hope, serenity, humility, kindness, benevolence, empathy, generosity, truth, compassion, and faith. The grandson thought about it for a minute and then asked his grandfather, which wolf wins? And the old Cherokee simply replied, the one you feed. Okay. Now I think about the one you feed all the time because now that's something that your Native American mother told you growing up when you were right. <laughs> yeah, the- my, my Native American <laughs> mother when I was when I was studying at the knee, uh yes, of my Cherokee forefathers. Uh no. Uh so so but the, the, this idea of and this is this is why the DeSantis thing to me is not enough. Um, and why I I am not sure, and why I have this this fear that even good candidates, in fact, especially good candidates, Hogan, Sununu, well, let's say Kemp, that when they say that Donald Trump, they would endorse him if he's the nominee, that because they are more decent, it creates this permission structure for decent people to say that Donald Trump wasn't that big a threat, that the coup is not disqualifying. And I'm deeply concerned about sending that message because I think it is 100% the wrong message, obviously. Um, And I also think that, so like, here's my question about Kemp. I understand your point and I think you're right. And I'm, I would, Kemp has already done things that for me make him the best, uh, which is that in the face of an assault by Donald Trump, 
for refusing to not certify an election. He just kept doing what he was doing and kept saying, it didn't say, said, no, not stolen, uh, not overturning this. Uh, and that was, that's great. It's also like, but I'm, but it's also like at the bare minimum, like, yes, you have to certify elections. Like that's the right thing to do just because everybody else didn't do <laughs> what it. What do you want, a cookie? I know. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's like, there's just, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's sort of hard to think about. Um, and, but the question is, is because of what voters demand, right? So I'm watching Chris Sununu say, and I know he doesn't believe this, say, well, yeah, I'd endorse Donald Trump if he's if he's the nominee, because look at the alternative. And I think, well, that is an insane thing to say. You are disqualified in my like you're I, I find that to be disqualified, a disqualifying judgment, even I, I, because that like morally is it's really bad for us. OK, anyway, these are the things I wrestle with. Uh, it's the reason I, I and I can I, any given day I can go either way. I can say Hogan you know, you got to support somebody like Hogan because that's the only way we get out of this. And and he's a good guy and he's a decent person. And you know what? He will feed better things in us. Yeah, no, exactly. That's right? exactly and DeSantis the right thing. won't. Yeah. DeSantis yeah. will feed all the same negative impulses that Donald Trump did. He will continue to course in society. He will continue to make us hate each other more. He will lean into division, right? Who are politics? This is where I, this is why JBL, this is our most fundamental disagreement where you say it emanates from the people. And I think that it emanates from leaders because they're the ones doing the feeding is my very long way of getting to the point of why I read that thing. That's a, that's a very profound, a very profound duality. And the answer of course is both. Right. I yeah. mean, it, it's both, but it's more one than the other at different times and in different moments, depending upon who the leader is. And, uh, and that's, that's a good, 